Welcome to episode 27 and thank you so much again for being here. I cannot express my gratitude that you guys take time to listen to this podcast out of your guys' busy day. So today is something different. Usually I always, it's a solo podcast show, right? It's just me talking, chatting. However, today I have a guest for you. And her name is Stephanie Morum. She is an organizational and process expert dedicated to helping ambitious individuals and organizations reduce both internal and external clutter. I am so grateful that she is on today's episode. You guys are in for a treat. I'm Siobhan Lave, coach and strategist to bakers. I help bakers move from feeling overwhelmed, juggling all the things, to being the CEO of their business. Maybe you've started baking as a hobby and you're at a point where this hobby is now turning into a business. Or you've already turned your passion for baking into a business, but you're looking to get to the next level. Buttercream recipes, cake tutorials, and sugar cookie classes can only get you so far. It takes real business skills and marketing strategies to be a successful business. When you're ready to become the CEO of your business and work on your business rather than in it, join me here where I share with you industry secrets that I've learned from marketing and business courses, working with mentors and coaches, and my experiences of almost a decade in the baking industry. This is the CEO Baker Podcast. Thank you, Stephanie, for joining us today here on the CEO Baker Podcast. I am so grateful to have you here. I remember when I first met you and, okay, we're not going to pretend as though we just had this conversation (laughs) and forgot to press record, but Stephanie (laughs) didn't remember and we had this whole conversation, so now she does, but um, tell us how, how we met. It was through Oak yeah, and Pine. No, is, it's yeah. my turn to tell it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was through Oak and Pine, uh, which is a local women's entrepreneurship group. Um, I was leading a course in email management and how to set up your email inbox. And for me, it's something I've really tried to refine over and over through the years and wanted to share. And you were there. Yeah. You were a participant. Yes. And Earlier, I had mentioned how I consider myself a pretty organized person, um, but there's always something that can be learned. And Mm -hmm. I feel like email is such a beast. And I remember before taking your course, I would often like kind of ignore emails (laughs) or just kind of (laughs) place it to the side. But you showed a way where it kind of put you like put the user or the person in an empowerment Mm -hmm. stage Mm -hmm. instead of feeling as though these emails are like running you over you you now had the choice on how you are handling Mm -hmm. these emails yeah so thank you so much for that and I'm super excited because you will be presenting as a guest speaker um in the content club in a few short weeks so that we are super excited to have you so to kick off this conversation and this interview with you, Stephanie, I wanted to know what started your entrepreneur journey or how did you start into this 
thing called running your own business because I know you have years of <laughs> um I, I was reading your bio and I was just amazed at how you had those years of I think you were like a co-founder for the for uh what is that called charter school a charter and you school helped, mm-hmm. yes and then you helped other schools that just build their organizational systems and I was like wow that is huge because I know how <laughs> much of a beast it is for just a small business. So I can't imagine it on a huge scale. So tell us more. Well, thank you. And thanks for having me. Um, I will just to jump off what you were saying. I want to say that first I'm a startup fanatic. And I think that comes a lot with, you know, just the wanting to give the best of my potential to the world mm-hmm. that it, that's an environment I thrive in. I like thinking of the roles that I was in and, you know, am I really offering my full, full potential to the work that I'm doing in the world? And am mm-hmm. I content with it? Is the work that I'm doing really bringing me joy, you know, bringing me happiness? Um, and I always think about one quote that inspires me and it's how you spend your time is how you enact your values. And so the last few years, I've, I've just been really thinking about that and taking it to heart. It, it makes me wonder, you know, how do I want to spend my time? And what is it that I want to be doing starting my own business? And when I thought about venturing off on my own, it wasn't too scary to me because and they have been, you know, since I was born, they still have their own businesses. And I have seen them living in place through living their passions and so that to me has set a very good example for what's possible and I really felt it was possible for me to step out of the comfort of you know the nine to five job with benefits and all that yeah really explore what does this look like to start your own business um and so it was about a year ago I left my job as you mentioned at the charter school that I helped start that I was there for eight years And I just really felt like I was being called to refine what my passion was and then restructure my time so that I was giving my best self to everyone else. That is so awesome. So there's several things that stood out to me. So the first one would be how you were thinking about how you're spending your time and if that was aligned with your values. What, I guess, what did it feel like? Like, how did you know that you didn't want to work this nine to five and you wanted to do something for yourself, create your own business. How did, how did you know that? Like, was it a struggle? Was it something you contemplated for a few years or was it something that you instantly knew and you instantly made a choice? That is a great question. And I'm getting chills as you're asking that because it definitely took years. And to be honest, I was in a place of burnout on and off for a number of those years. And so That is the feeling that made me start to look within. It's like, why I'm doing work I'm passionate about. Why am I feeling this way? And that was when it came to be, you know, I was spending my, you know, maybe half of my time doing what I really love, which is creating processes and systems and setting up space. But then the other part of that drained me. And it was, so it was recognizing those tasks that, weren't really allowing me to step into my full potential because they were kind of bogging me down. And I think a lot of times that happens in, you know, a a job that we sign up for because the job description will say one thing, but for whatever reason, you end up doing a lot of other things and 
for me, if I'm not constantly looking and refining what that is and even pushing to switch it within the company, um, you know, it's not, not going to feel good anymore. And so for me, the answer was I'm ready to do my own thing for others. It may yeah. be, maybe I just need to shift a little. I totally agree. And I think it's so funny because I think of myself and like how I have been an entrepreneur for almost a decade now, but sometimes I feel like a selfish toddler (laughs) (laughs) because literally if I don't want to do it, I'm Mm -hmm. not going to do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm only going to do the things that I am like truly passionate about. And like, it's something that truly lits my heart on fire. So I feel like we are definitely lucky to be on this journey of entrepreneurship and business ownership together. Um, I wanted to talk about, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, addressing what you said, it's, you know, that being selfish part. So when you're in a role that I believe you are, that is inspiring others and guiding others, Mm -hmm. if they're looking to you for that leadership, you do need to take care of yourself in that way and know when you say no, so that you can have your tank full to then give that to other people. Yes. And it only, it kind of flows so nicely into how your business's name is Favor the Space. Mm -hmm. And so I remember early in my entrepreneurship years, um, I was constantly on that hustle, go, go, go. Like I had to go or I had to move quickly. And if I didn't, it meant my business would fail. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until you reach those burnout phases, right? That you realize Mm -hmm. like you need to rest. You need to pause because if you do not, your body, your mind, your soul will do it for you. (laughs) And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I feel like that's something I have learned the hard way. I did want to talk about how your parents were both entrepreneurs. Uh I think that is amazing. And so like I've grown out in a different situation where both of my parents just had their own, you know, jobs to work at, not necessarily Mm -hmm. business owners or business ownership. How did that impact you growing up? Huh. That's something good to think about. Um, Yeah. You know, I think it really showed me that life can be what you make of it because both of them, I like, I remember my dad coming home to have lunch with us during the workday or, you know, my mom picking me up and taking me out of school on my birthday in elementary school. And it was that flexibility and the feeling that they were always there and they, you know, they wanted to have a family. That was like their one thing that they had been building on. And so to see them having the time to do that and making the time that is what impacted me the most. Yeah, that is amazing. It's something I think about often, you know, as I'm raising now a 10 and 15 year old, oh, wow. <laughs> but, you know, wondering how it would impact them. And I think it's, it's for the good. They mm-hmm. see, they see the good, the bad and the ugly, but mm-hmm. I feel as though, you know, they can see that literally anything is possible and they can go and create whatever it is they want to do, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. So next, yes, definitely. Next question I have for you is, so we hear the phrase creating space. 
And we hear it often in the self-development world. So what does creating space actually mean? And how do we actually create space? <laughs> mm-hmm. I love this question because as you said, space is in the word of my business name, Save the Space. Um, so first, I think we have to apply our definition of space to include mm-hmm. everything. So it's physical space, mental space, the space you encompass when you're even just with one other person. Space is in every realm. And yeah. to me, creating space means giving yourself those moments wherever you are to think, how can I best serve myself right now? And how yeah. can I nurture myself? in each of those situations. And a lot of times we don't even get to ask that question because we're so busy with tasks that take up our brain space. And, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's trying to remember that email we were supposed to send and we can't remember to who, or having that pile on the chair that's been sitting there for months, we look at it every day and there's a little voice in our head that's saying, Mm -hmm. why aren't you doing that? What's wrong with you? (laughs) Or even, you know, a frustrating colleague who, you can't figure out how to move forward. Like all of those situations require just a breath, a moment, that mm-hmm. piece of space. So in creating space, um, to me, that means making time in the day to proactively address some of those things. So having a deliberate system for tracking to do's or sending emails or investing the time up front and at the beginning of a day to tidy your space, or hire professional, <laughs> um, yeah. or creating a daily routine that involves some sort of reflection or journaling so that when you do come to these places where you're looking for a little more space, you have a better sense of where you are and being grounded. Um, and then once you have that space, so you're doing a little of upfront work, but mm-hmm. then you're suddenly freed to savor it. And you can look at your empty inbox and feel wonderful. Or you can look at that chair and say, oh, I'm going to go read a book over there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, ultimately, in answer to your question, creating space and savoring it gives me permission to enjoy the things that I love to do. And that that is what I want to offer to my clients. I want to help them create that space so that they can then live out their passions as well. I love it. So, oh, I love everything about that. So I have a membership called the Content Club. And in the Content Club, I kind of teach my members how to create content for whether it be a week's worth of content or a month's worth. I try to get them to a month's worth so that mm-hmm. they, can, they can feel that freedom, that space. Mm-hmm. Because you don't realize how much of the time like us as bakers, we're like, oh, we need to post something because we need to generate Uh income. We need to generate revenue, but we're busy in the kitchen and we don't have the time. So, and sometimes when you don't make the time to do it ahead of time, that's kind of sounds weird, but when Uh you don't spend time to plan, I guess, you Uh know, plan ahead of time, it's not as clear or it's not as intentional or purposeful as you'd like it to be. So I think that's so interesting. And as entrepreneurs, we spend, I feel like a lot of time in the past mm-hmm. and a lot of time focusing on the future. Mm-hmm. We rarely sit in the present. And when you say like, you know, how you're explaining what creating space is, 
I kind of feel like it is getting back to that present, being able to live in that moment and deciding what exactly do I need, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> without being pulled in every single direction. Yeah. And I love, that was a perfect example you gave about your content club, <laughs> because that's yeah. exactly what you're doing. You're helping the, them create space for themselves. And you're right. It is like, once they have that set up, they can be present in their baking or whatever they're doing to really feel into that. Yes. And it does take, it does take work. I always tell them. I of said, course. Yeah. <laughs> With anything, it takes work. But when you get on that other side, it is glorious. Mm-hmm. Okay. So organization is something that we all struggle with. And I consider you a master. So how did you become a master <laughs> at organization? I love that I'm a master at organization. It has t- been a journey also. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say to start, it's maybe it's through my work experience or just the way that I am, but I'm a get things done kind of person. And so what that really means is if I see something that needs adjusting or there's a solution to make it better, I'm going to do it. And kind of combined with that, I, one of my passions is that I live to bring people together, to network, to form friendships, to make connections. And so to me, having a space that is inviting and caters to the needs of an open, comforting environment is very important to my personal mission. So if I connect those two, my challenge is then to create a space that's inviting to everyone. And so my solution is to have no outline interferences that would inhibit meaningful connections. So, you know, after living in tiny apartments all across the country, um, I've become an expert in finding spaces for things or putting things away so I can continue to develop those spaces that flow for function and design. And that really has spilled over into how I see, you know, like a Google doc that needs like better formatting for the reader to see or any little things, all these operational practices as well. And I really thrive in messy environments that crave order. I feel like that is where my expertise lies. I can see the solutions in that way. Um, And so ultimately organization is just really mastering your space and it's an ongoing journey. And you're right. I feel like I have learned all the tools and tips and what works for me and what I know works for my clients. Um, But it can, it can be done with by anyone. (laughs) I love it. And I feel like, you know, how you were saying about organization, um, organizing your personal space and whatnot. I used to be, well, I'm still kind of there. I'm trying to move on the other side of kind of being a minimalist, but I used Mm -hmm. to be the person who would like go to Target or go to Marshalls or TJ Maxx and hunt for like all these home decor items Mm -hmm. for, you know, every season, maybe a different decor for every month. And then I came to a point and I was like, okay, wait, what purpose is this serving Mm -hmm. other than the fact that it just looks pretty? Mm -hmm. And then I read, I don't know if I read it in her book. I think it was in um, Homebody by Joanna Gaines. Mm-hmm. And she had said something that left like a profound impact on me. 
And it was something about how the things she chooses to keep in her space is only the things that have deep meaning to her. Mm. So like, for example, it's something that was passed down or has some type of memory. And so when I thought of that and I was like, well, most of my (laughs) things are just from Target and it's just pretty to look at and it's not, it's not serving any function. (laughs) And it actually, like, for example, I have like all these pillows and while I think it's comforting, my family hates them. Mm-hmm. And I'm the only one organizing those damn pillows <laughs> all day. <laughs> but I will um, say, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say to that point, yes, it's great to look at those items and think, ooh, I'm really not attached to these in the way that I thought I was, or whatever it is. But, you know, I have a cupboard full of, like uh party wear you know like plastic wear kind of things because I want to be ready at a moment's notice in case I'm having a dinner party in my backyard and so sometimes it's those things you're not totally attached to but they're necessary to live out you know the life that you want to have so I think it's okay if you want to save some decorations if they make you happy (laughs) (laughs) but I do hear where you're coming from (laughs) yeah oh I love it okay so what are your top three organizational tips that you can share that would work for anyone yeah so my first one a little bit summarizes some of the things that we talked about already and it's spend the time up front setting up a system that works for you so whether it's your living space your email inbox your car gift yourself that time so that you can then be in a fluid state and have an orderly space to free up your mind. That's my tip. I love that. I love that one. And I wanted to make a comment because Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes we feel as though we have to stick to the system forever and for always, but Mm -hmm. can you tell me if this is correct? Systems can change, right? Because, Oh yeah. We change. They have to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. And a really easy example of that is, you know, I had my morning routine. It was going really well. And then I decided to adopt a dog and suddenly my entire routine is different and that's okay. I can change it. And it took some adapting for a few months, but mm-hmm. that's a very like easy example to think of when it's okay to make those changes. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And then, so what's tip number two? Okay. So tip number two, uh, is something I hear a lot of people say is, you know, I'm not organized. I can't do this. And I would say refrain from labeling yourself as unorganized. Mm -hmm. And it's true that for some people it comes naturally and others, it's a learned skill, but as with any new habit, it takes practice and repetition and, I always take the quote from Stephen Covey. Um, He says it takes 21 days to make or break a habit. And so Mm -hmm. just be patient with yourself and take it one step at a time and know that it can be a learned skill. I love that one. Yes. (laughs) And number three is set your intention. So why are you organizing? You know, is it to free up physical space in your home? Is it to feel more in control of a work process or flow, because when we set that intention around how we want to feel 
and be in our day-to-day -day lives, that organization, routine, and ritual all play a part of that. Awesome. Okay. And I know this wasn't part of our set questions, but I'm so curious to know what was one of maybe your favorite projects to work on and why? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this may go a little bit of being in the present, but I really enjoy where I am when I'm doing it um, because the projects I work on are in such a wide variety. You know, yeah. a few of the ones I'm working on now are, I'm still actually working with the school a little bit to do strategic planning and move mm -hmm. forward in that way. But then I also go to a client's home and help them, you know, unpack their closet and make it organized. And all of that is exciting to me and brings me joy and helps me remember that if I am really be, truly being in the moment and reflecting yeah. on how I'm spending my time, it's going to feel good. I love that. And so can you tell the listeners a little bit about exactly what do you do? Like what type of organization do you do? Do you do it all? Is there things you steer away from? And how can they find you and learn more about what you have to offer? Yes. Um, so I do personal organization, which, which comes in many different forms. So that would be working on a space with somebody and decluttering, getting rid of, reorganizing that space, and also coaching them through how does this become a lasting impact for them mm -hmm. so that once I step away, that functional flow we've created can still flow. Yeah. So that is one way that I work with clients. Um, the other way is more of a business consultant role. I think you could look at it as so mm -hmm. I will help business owners or organizations look at the processes they have in place and pick out where can they develop more of a flow so that they don't have to spend as much time working on like the day-to-day -day little tiny nitty gritty yes. things, but that they can free up that kind of space as well. Um, and all of the information is on my website at savorthespace.com. And I'm happy to talk with anyone about what they feel needs some extra space in their lives. Awesome. Thank you. So should they just go to your website and then maybe fill out like a contact form? Yes, there's a contact form on there. There's also an option to set up a 30 minute consultation, which is totally free. Um, okay. So that's all on the website. Yes. All right. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for having us having you on the podcast today. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I appreciate you so much. And I look forward to learning more about your journey. Like I, I'll definitely be following you on Instagram. I'll see you in Oak and Pine and I will definitely check out your services on your website. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> I loved this today. All righty. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you for listening to the CEO Baker podcast. If you loved what you heard today, make sure you take a screenshot and share it on Instagram. Tag me at the CEO Baker. It would mean so much if you take a minute to leave a review. While you're at it, don't forget to subscribe and come back every single week for more. For show notes, links, and other awesome resources, head to theceobaker.com slash podcast.